The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, April 27th, if you're listening on the pod, if you're watching and joining us on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash pick six. It is Monday, April 26th, and we are going to talk some NFL draft bets with our good friend, R.J. White. What's up, buddy? How much, Will? How you doing? Oh, the enthusiasm. From RJ. I haven't talked in a while. It has been a while. I was thinking that earlier. Um, on this, as we mentioned, on this episode, we have, of course, props for the NFL draft. RJ has a great article on sportsline.com. Go there and check it out and you can read his best bets for the props. Uh, coming up, we also have a draft mailbag that'll drop later this afternoon. Bold predictions will, which will drop on Wednesday and burning questions, which will drop on Thursday. Plus a recap of each night of the draft on youtube.com slash pick six and also in your podcast feed, of course. But if you, if you have questions, you want to talk about the draft, about how things unfolded, come join us. In on YouTube in the chat comments, we'll uh, be talking with uh, y'all plenty in there. And of course, we also have a final mock draft Monday from Ryan Will- with with Ryan Wilson, Josh Edwards, and Chris Chaprasso, myself making picks in the feed as well. Go to sportsline.com, use promo code White, I guess, or Edge. What do you think? Either Let's- one, either one works. Either one. You're not you're not in it for the. You don't get a you don't get a bonus, do you? Do you get do you get a? No, no, I don't. I don't, um, I just like doing my thing when I'm, I'm, you know, on podcast or on Twitter. Typically it's typically a Twitter thing, but, uh, yeah, as long, as long as you're signing up, I don't care how you do it. Yeah. Get your first month for either a free or a dollar and you will get some awesome picks from plenty of experts across multiple sports. Very important for, uh, soccer champions league on Tuesday coming up this, uh, maybe, maybe it's already out there. And of course for the NFL draft, I also want to talk to you about the CBS sports mobile app. As you know, it's my go-to for live scores and breaking news, but it's NFL Draft Week, and I want, you to, I want to let you know about a little football fan hack here. If you don't have the app, you can download your mobile app store, and then, since it's free, you don't have to do anything. You just go into the app, and you make sure your NFL team news and draft alerts are turned on via the settings screen. It takes about five seconds, and you'll get updates on all, all on picks for your team, but also when a pick is in, breaking news if your team makes a big trade, and lightning-fast analysis like draft grades and player comps on each of your team's draft picks. The CBS Sports app is the best way to never miss an NFL draft moment. So you haven't yet fire open the CBS Sports mobile app and get your mobile war room ready ahead of the action this Thursday. All right, let's talk about the draft. So 
we were going to just run through props, but your, you have on sportsline.com, as I mentioned, a betting NFL mock draft 2021 best bets and projected picks for the entire first round. Unfortunately, I was, I was hoping for some sort of crazy promo, like amazing draft analyst blows your mind with long shot at third overall pick, but I didn't get it. Yeah, we have some of those up too. I mean, we have a best bets article that just distills my 10 favorite best bets. And I included a 50 to one long shot in that who's now 60 to one. I think we might get to that in a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but we can talk about it. Um, you know, but it's a fun one to bet and, and hopefully you get it. So I have my 10 best bets there. I also had five other long shot, five long shots, including that one. And those are more, you know, uh, likely to happen. Those are more in the six to one, seven to one range, but you know, you do throw some long shots in there and you hope, hope to get lucky. I did have, that article I had Baker Mayfield at 25 to one a few years ago, a few yeah. weeks before the process started, nailed that one. Obviously by the time we got the draft day, it looked more and more likely, but hope you locked it in at 25 to one early in the process there. And I hope so when my initial best bets and the long shots came out a few weeks ago, hope you locked in some of those two, because I think we might hit one or two. Of them. Nice. Well, we'll get, uh, we'll get into those as well. You know, the draft really starts unless you want to, uh, you know, think the jets are going to do something absolutely crazy at two, it really starts at, at three because you can't bet anything on the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you mean, you can, you can, you can, you're allowed to bet on it. It's 10,000 to one or minus 10,000, excuse me, which means that you've got to lay $10,000 to win a hundred, uh, to, to bet on Trevor Lawrence. Don't do that. It's not worth it. I mean, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the good thing is, is even though it's a futures prop, you're going to get paid on it pretty quickly because you know, you're going to know by Thursday night. So you know, right. you really want to make that, but I don't, I wouldn't make, take the, there's no risk involved. It's at a hundred, even minus, you know, 10,000. So you're really, you're betting a hundred dollars to win one. I don't think there's any risk involved in that, but I don't know that it's worth it on a 1% return on your investment to do that. Yeah. I mean, if you have a hundred thousand dollars and you're trying to get a thousand dollar return, just you know, go put it in a mutual fund or something. Don't lay it with your, bookie and tell them, you know, you're going to have, it's, you're going to, you're going to get paid back a hundred and one thousand dollars from the casino, which means you're going to have some taxation situation going on. So it's really, yeah, again, it's really not worth betting. Um, as I mentioned, the jets, I don't think you can, uh, I don't think you can bet on that. Really? I guess you could get bet on Justin Fields 12 to one, or maybe even Trey Lance at 40 to one, if you wanted to, uh, if you, if you thought that maybe the Jets were, you know, smoke screening with Zach Wilson, but that doesn't seem likely either. Yeah. I don't, I don't, it's weird that we kind of all just assume Zach Wilson's going to be the pick. I don't know that, that he's for sure the number two quarterback in this class. And, um, you know, I could see some teams having other guys as their number two guy, but, um, yeah, at this point, I don't know if there's any value betting on, on what the Jets are going to do. Yeah. If, yeah, fields at 12 to one doesn't feel like enough. And the part, the guy who they drafted too has to start right away for him. So Lance at 40 to one would feel like a, a pretty big stretch, but yeah, don't lay the, don't lay the, the line, the odds on Wilson moving to number three, where the intrigue starts. Mac Jones now minus 160, uh, at minimum to be the third overall pick. Trey Lance has, is around a two to one. And I think actually I saw where Justin Fields has gotten to. 10 to 1. Your thoughts on the third overall pick. Oh, sorry. No, if you, yeah, 7 to 1 at William Hill right now. Mac Jones minus 300. Trey Lance plus 230. That is updated as of Monday afternoon. Do you find any value in, in anything here with the 49ers, RJ? 
you know, that update must have just happened because, uh, yeah, I had Mac Jones is minus 160. I think ideally you should have exposure to Lance and Fields here. Um, if you were able to get Lance at like plus four, 350 or 400 a week ago or before this news came out that it seemed like the 49ers were in play for Lance, I think, um, you know, that would have been great. Now you can turn around and get some exposure to Fields at plus whatever you can get now, 700, 800, whatever it is. Um, I would take both of those. I just don't think Mac Jones is the type of guy you trade three, three first round picks to go up to get. Um, you know, you sit at 12 and if he's not there, Oh well, you take a, take a chance on the next Mac Jones, or you take a guy in the second round. Um, but but I don't know that he's a, this huge difference maker as opposed to a Jimmy Garoppolo. So it doesn't make sense to me. But a guy with the the ceiling of Fields or Lance that does make sense to me. So where the uh, odds where they are right now, I like making Lance a play at plus two thirty. I think that's a be- better chance of happening than Jones, especially now that it seems like that's what a lot of people in that organization are pushing towards. Um, I hope that it's close to 50-50 between those two guys and make that play. You can hedge with a smaller play on fields if you like. I think he probably should be the pick at number three, but it doesn't sound like it's going to happen at this point. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen, but I'll, I'll say this. You pointed out Baker Mayfield in 2018 on, you know, Ken Carmen of CBS Sports Radio and 92.3 The Fan in, in Cleveland tweeted out on Monday morning uh, a timeline of everything that happened with the 2018 draft and all the rumors and, and buzz surrounding these guys on Monday of that week, it was all, it was either Josh Allen or Sam Darnold. And Peter King came out with his mock draft on Monday and said that a quote unquote friend of Dorsey told him it wouldn't be Josh Allen. And, and that's why he mocked Sam Darnold there. I mean, it was all Sam Darnold or Josh Allen until really like Wednesday and on a Thursday, Daniel Jeremiah released his mock draft and had the Browns going, Baker Mayfield at one, and then there started to be buzz about that actually happening. Essentially, um, John Dorsey, it was reported that it was reported by Chris Mortensen that Hugh Jackson didn't know who the head coach was going to be. And then Hugh Jackson was like, ah, I gotta know. I look like an idiot. And so he threw a big fit and they leaked out through Mike Silver that Hugh Jackson definitely knew who it was. And then clearly Dorsey told him it was going to be Baker. And that's when all the national media people found out it was Baker once Hugh's loose lips got, got, got on the information. So I think it's possible that we're in a similar situation and that they are going to take fields and that they are smokescreening this to death because they do not want the Jets to take Justin Fields at two. Now, maybe I'm dead wrong, and maybe it is Mac Jones, but I think it's seven to one. That's a great value, and I agree with Trey Lance. Your point, you don't trade to three. You don't trade three first-round picks to get to three without going at chasing the upside of a Trey Lance or Justin Fields. And you got to think that Kyle Shanahan has to believe that he can get the most out of whatever guy that they're drafting as a quarterback whisperer. So you take a guy with a huge upside like Lance or Fields, uh, Mac Jones with his athletic ability. I don't know that you're, you're, you're thinking, okay, I can maximize this guy and as he's going to be a better Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, or whatever, whatever your comp is for him. Um, I think you go with the high upside guy that could be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or someone like that. Um, yeah, I agree. And so look, if you were smart about it, you could have gotten some Mac Jones at almost two to one last week. And you can have a plus number on all three of these quarterbacks, really, at, at good numbers. You know, Justin Fields got down to minus 125. You know, I hope, I don't think we told anybody to bet it then. We were saying to bet it before that. And, and maybe, maybe we helped move it. Who knows? But any it, plus numbers on these quarterbacks, the assumption that it's going to be Mac Jones. And I heard Adam Schefter on his podcast say that the 49ers traded up because they were quote unquote comfortable with Mac Jones at three. But now they've done more, looked more into Trey Lance. They're more interested in him. So 
to me, you just don't trade up to three like that to settle for Mac Jones. You don't trade up because you're comfortable with Mac Jones. You, you know, you have Jimmy Garoppolo already. He knows the offense. Uh, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I like these quarterbacks at plus numbers. And I would be, if you're listening, you know, you probably listen to this podcast on Monday or Tuesday. Be ready on Wednesday or Thursday. You know, have your book, have, have your, have your, your app loaded, have your, uh, you know, your bookie website or your, your online betting website, whatever it is bookmarked. Cause there's going to be some news that's going to drop and it's going to drastically shift these odds. You know, whether it's the, you know, maybe it's the 49ers are taking Mac Jones and it shoots up to 900. We'll, we'll see, but that will be where the draft starts and it'll dictate perhaps what the Falcons do at four. When you look at this, as you point out what the market says, um, the position of the first uh, drafted player for the Falcons offense minus 650 defense plus 450. Kyle Pitts, the name that's been heavily connected to the Atlanta Falcons, his over under five and a half heavily juiced to the under. Do you think there's any value? First of all, do you think the Falcons are going, going with Kyle Pitts? And do you think there's any value in that? Seems like that's what the direction it's headed. Um, I, I don't know that, that. Uh, the, the betting market is reflective of the percentages in that. I wouldn't bet Pitts uh, to go at four. Um, I think there's value going with a few things. I think the Falcons could take a quarterback. They know they don't, they don't jump, you know, draft this high more often. Uh, so Lance would be nice there. Justin Fields, I mean, is a local kid. I think he's from Cobb County. Um, you got to think if Arthur Blank gets involved and the owners often do, that might be a factor involved there. Um, so I, I think he makes sense for them. I think it also makes sense for them to trade down for a team looking to come up and get a quarterback. So four could be a quarterback one way or another. So I don't know that we're necessarily locked into Pitts going in this spot. And then there's been buzz that come out that Julio Jones could be traded after the deadline or after the, uh, the June, I think it's June 2nd date where you can start to uh, push some of that onto next year's cap. Uh, you don't have to take that full cap bit on the first year. So um if he's traded, they can need receivers. So that could be Chase. That could even be a long shot like Devontae Smith. You know, it's 60 to 1 to be the first non-quarterback taken. I mean, that's a fun little little thing to, to bet on. Heisman winner. Every he has everything. Checks so every that's box. Your, that's your that's your 60 to 1 long shot. His first non-quarterback. That's my take. fun little long shot. I mean, he checks every box but size. And uh so if a team is comfortable with size, I mean, you could see him being first on somebody's board over Chase if they're comfortable with his size. And I think he has some Calvin Ridley to him. I think he'd be nice to pair there. Or if they can't sign Ridley long term because his contract demands are just too high, that'd be a nice little replacement as a number one receiver for your for your um offense. So I don't think it's gonna happen. I think they go quarterback. I think they trade to somebody that goes quarterback and we're talking about first non quarterback taken at number five instead. But I would look to those plays. I'd look to have a fun little long shot there for Atlanta. Yeah, I, the Devontae Smith, if he's 60 to one to be the first non-quarterback taken, 75 to one now at, at William Hill, that's real nice because you have to think that there's going to be, it's either going to be Kyle, the first non-quarterback taken is either going to be Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Panay Sewell, or one of the Bama receivers. And Smith is seven to one to be the first wide receiver taken. You know, it's, and so I think there's value therein at 75 to one to be the first non-quarterback taken. But again, it, it, it would require a trade down by, would it require a trade down? No, I guess, well, if Atlanta, tra- so if Atlanta trades out, what do you think the Bengals do at five? I think they could go Smith. Um, I, I think Chase is probably more likely if they have a receiver. I think they go Sewell. I think there's good value to taking Sewell at, um, if you get three to one or better to be the first non quarterback. I think it's five to one now at William Hill. 
um, uh, to be the first non-quarterback taken. I mean, I think it's closer to 50-50 what the, what the Bengals do. And, um, just because Joe Burrow wants Jamar Chase, I don't think, uh, you, you put too much stock into that. We've seen that happen in the past. A quarterback wants to be reunited with a receiver. But it's not like Kyler Murray got, you know, CD Lamb on the Cardinals. You know, it's, it's just these things that tend to not happen. If you're going to pick one franchise that probably is going to ignore what the player wants, isn't it going to be the Bengals and Mike Brown? I mean, they're just going <laughs> right. to do whatever he's going to do anyway. So, um, I don't think it factors in that much. I think, I would, I would, uh, fade the buzz of, um, Chase thinking that we can get better value on Sewell. So I would go under Sewell, um, five and a half at plus 140, but I really like that five to one as the first non quarterback selected for Sewell at five. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't blame you. Like, I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm going the other way and I've, I've got a, t- I got a lot of Jamar Chase under most of it is under six and a half. And, uh, Debo, if you could scroll up a little bit, we can see the Jamar Chase under now at five and a half, uh, there, which, I don't know that I'm nearly as comfortable taking, especially even at minus 135, because that's pretty heavy juice. You're basically, will the Bengals take Jamar Chase? And it's not just, so once you get a five and a half, it's not just will, you know, let's say the Falcons trade out and somebody comes up for a quarterback, then the Bengals could take Kyle Pitts. You know, that's, that would be the concern that I would have uh, with the five and a half over under at six and a half, which is what I got. And we've been talking about it for a while. It was probably like minus 130 when I got it and it got up to like minus 250. You have the option of Atlanta could potentially take him, obviously. And then the Bengals, who we think is going to take him. And then of course, Miami might, uh, might go with uh, Chase. And the reason I still you know, would lean towards the under five and a half. And I think the Bengals will take him mainly it boils down to reading Paul Dano Jr.'s a seven round mock on the athletic.com. And I said, that boils down. He wrote this boy. He said, this is what he wrote. This boils down to taking the team at their word. I've heard for a while, the Bengals like the depth of the offensive line class. They're not alone. Dan Bluger discussed it as an outlier compared to normal years and finding starters in the second, even third rounds. And when Duke Tobin said, he mentioned how much more you can truly judge players on the outside compared to the interior players dealing with new levels of strength in the NFL. Basically, Everything that Paul Daner Jr. has heard from Cincinnati is that the, the, that Jamar Chase is going to be the pick, assuming that he's there at five. I, I just, I don't think the Bengals bother smoke screening. I don't think they're really worried about it. I think they would take Pitts at five if, if the, somebody traded up and took Chase or the, or the Falcons took Chase. And I think they'd be fine with that or take Sewell. And so I, I don't think they have any reason to lie to someone like Daner in that spot, if that makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, it is smoke screen season, but you, you never know what the Bengals are going to do, really. Um, they, they kind of march to the beat of their own drum. So I think playing into that unpredictability by taking the player that the market says isn't going to be the guy in Sewell is the way that I would go, um, you know, in that sense. And there has been some reports that some teams are pushing down the guys that opted out. You know, they, they don't really have any interest in those type of guys. So, I mean, if that just happens to be uh, the Bengals or one of these teams at the top, you could see Chase slip a little further than expected. And maybe even get to a team like Detroit at seven or Carolina eight, at eight that nobody would expect them to be at because some teams would prefer other guys. That's another, you know, uh, you know, uh, possibility in taking that Devonte Smith at plus 75 to one. If the Falcons do decide to go receiver and they are one of those teams that don't want an opt out, you know, that could push Smith to them. That, that, that's true. That is a, uh, a perfectly fair description of it for Miami at six. Uh, you, you like the over Jamar Chase five and a half, don't you? 
Yeah, like I said, there's the opt-out thing involved. Um, it's just I, I think that there's going to be a team. I think there's going to be four quarterbacks in the first five. I think the team trades up or Atlanta takes one. And so there's going to be some value taking some of these overs. And uh, Jamar Chase is the one for me. I think Sewell's going to be the pick at five. So I like going over on Jamar Chase. I do think you're going to be able to get a little bit better value than what's on the board now as the buzz builds for Chase and people kind of, you know, uh, play, make those plays over and over again and uh, expecting that it happen. It's going to, the percentages are going to get out of whack and you're going to get better value on, uh, on taking him over as opposed to under. Yeah. I mean, the reality of the situation is if you are, if you want to assume that chaos will erupt and that's perfectly fine to assume that, you know, like we say, you can get Kyle Pitts at, you know, over five and a half plus 140, right? I mean, if that's four quarterbacks in Panay Sewell, then all of a sudden you're getting plus 140 on Kyle Pitts and you get plus money on Jamar Chase and you know, you wouldn't want to take and you can actually get plus money on Panay Sewell under. So if you think that's how it's going to play out, there are a lot of, there are a lot of options there for you. I, I just can't, I can't get now if, if, if it goes four quarterbacks in Sewell, I'm going to be, if that, if Max Jones goes three and it's four quarterbacks in Sewell, I'm in for a long, long Thursday night because I've got Jamar Chase under, Kyle Pitts under, and, you know, Mac Jones over. And I, I just think the Dolphins are taking Jamar Chase here at six, if he is there. And if not, I think that they'll take Jalen Waddle, maybe? It's possible. Receiver's probably the, the most likely thing for them. They could, if, if Chase has gone, there's a chance Pitts is still on the board and, and they could go get Pitts. You know, I think in my mock draft, that's what I gave them is, uh, Pitts, because I, I had four quarterbacks in Sewell and I think Pitts is going to go in ahead of Chase. So, um, that's an option, um, and Waddle is an option too. But you know, Sewell makes sense too. You can get offensive linemen too, and look for a receiver later as well. So, okay, with Detroit at number seven, to me, this feels like a possible trade out spot. You know, you had mentioned in your article, Bill Belichick and the Patriots coming up here. I, I told Wilson, I think, on the pod that will be out later today, that Detroit feels like a team that could potentially take less than what the trade chart says to take to move out of the top 10 and have, you know, they just want to acquire picks and move down. And I, you know, I don't know, you know, this draft is probably only 12 or 13 players deep, including the, some of the quarterbacks. But if you get five quarterbacks in the top 10, you know, and you're down to 15, you're going to get a good player. Right. And if you do trade down, um, you could still get a receiver in that area there. Cause if, if the receivers are getting pushed down a little bit because people are taking other positions, then you might be able to get Devontae Smith there or Jalen Waddle down there. So, um, I like going, um, receiver exact position of first pick for the Lions at plus 125. I think whether they stay put or move down, it, the most likely situation is to get a receiver for them just because they're so barren at that position. I mean, they lost Kenny Galladay, they lost Marvin Jones and they didn't replace them with much. So, um, I like receiver there. Um, I think that's probably going to be the way they go. Okay. Carolina at eight. Minus 280 to pick a player on offense first, plus 230 to pick a player on defense. Maybe more importantly, the, there is some value potentially in what position, what specific position they pick first. Offensive line is now plus 100 at William Hill. Quarterback plus 425. Cornerback plus 425. Receiver eight and a half to one as his linebacker and tight end 13 to one. RJ. Yeah, I think uh, offensive line is the most likely situation. I haven't taken Rashawn Slater here, but um, if it's down to plus 100, I don't know that I love the value on that play. Kind of like making a play on the receiver exact position at plus 850, because this is the range for the Waddles and Smiths 
And, um, you know, it's not like Carolina doesn't need receiving help. They lost Curtis Samuel in the offseason. They didn't really replace him. The depth chart behind their top two of, of uh, Moore and Anderson is pretty barren. And who knows where those guys are in the next couple of years. So if they want to go out and get a dynamic receiver. And, and we think that those guys are top 10 material. Then this seems like a good spot for one of them. And getting 850 just seems like great value for that. The Carolina, DJ Moore has one year in his fifth-year option left. And Robbie Anderson is entering the final year of his contract. I would assume that they'll discuss an extension with DJ Moore, but remember Marty Herney's the guy who drafted him and, and Herney's no longer there. So that's Scott Fitterer. Is he going to want to pay DJ Moore, you know, top 10, top five wide receiver money? I don't know. And then Robbie Anderson probably comes back because he's a temple guy and he's Matt Rule's dude. But if you just have Robbie Anderson, you know, you're not exactly in great shape. I agree with you. I think, I think it's going to be an offensive lineman though, unless. Sewell goes five or six, and then Slater goes seven to the Lions. I think they will take Slater at, at eight because when you trade for Sam Darnold and you saw how he struggled with a bad offensive line and with a, without a lack of weapons, you've got to prop Sam Darnold up, and it just makes too much sense to go offensive lineman. Like that's why you make you do the calculus, you do the advanced math on the draft board, and that's why you trade for Sam Darnold. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, and I'm not ruling out quarterback for them. You know, it's just because you have Darnold. It's not like you invested a ton in him or that you owe him a ton. So, um, if, if Justin Fields gets there and they really like Justin Fields, I mean, he could be the pick. So it's just quarter, they have a lot of different options. Uh, I find the offensive line is the one that makes the most sense. Don't love it at plus 100 though, like getting that value receiver. Okay. Fair enough. At number nine, the Denver Broncos. I feel like this is one where everybody's just kind of giving them. Micah Parsons, because that's what seems obvious, but Parsons over under has moved dramatically as some red flags have popped up and it feels like maybe they're more willing to go quarterback here. That's been discussed plenty, uh, possibly cornerback. You have Maki taking a cornerback. What are your thoughts on Denver? And if there's any actionable, uh, betting spots there. Yeah, Par- Parsons' stock seems like it's dropping more than it is rising. I don't think he's a top ten player. They don't really invest too too much in those, you know, middle middle linebacker, inside linebackers. They're pl- plugging away with undrafted free agents and fifth round picks. So um, it would be kind of a change in, in philosophy for them to do that here, especially for a guy that now seems to be uh, falling. I think a lot of people think they could go quarterback. They can maybe trade up with Atlanta to four to get a quarterback. Um, or if the one they like is is available, they take him here. Um, but I, I do uh, mention in my piece that Patrick Sertan going under ten and a half is probably my favorite prop of the whole the whole draft season. Um, Five he, years. Feels like, feels like his floor is Dallas at ten. I don't see how Dallas passes on him, and where he makes sense there, he makes sense for Carolina and Detroit too. I mean, they need any cornerbacks as well, and he seems like a, a the most can't miss defensive player in this this class. First, put my best bets together. He was flat at ten and a half. Now he's at minus one forty or one forty five. He was the underdog to go first defensive player drafted at plus one fifty. Now he's the favorite at minus one thirty, and I think that's just reflective of he is going in the top ten. He's probably going to be the first cornerback taken. Although J.C. Horn does have have a little bit of a chance to pass him, but uh, either way, he's going in the top ten. So I would make that the play here. I might like a little play on the on Denver going cornerback with their first pick at plus five fifty, just in the 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 sense that they might not like the quarterbacks that are available, so they might go corner instead. And, and if they are still sold on Drew Locke, or they still want to give Drew Locke a chance, I think they look at this roster and believe that it can win now and could be if Locke takes a step forward that it can be a decent roster. So at that point, you have a team that maybe is willing to you know Vic Fangio 
This is a guy that, that loves the secondary players. They're key for his defense. And so why wouldn't he want to invest in them? Cornerback makes a lot of sense if, if they ended up not trading down, which I think is also a possibility. The certain, the only thing about the certain that scares me is if you get to that 10th spot and you got those five units hanging out there, you're trusting Jerry Jones to do the, to, to be predictable. And that, that scares me a little bit. Yeah, anytime he's involved, I can see getting a little bit scared. But but even if, uh, you know, like that certain pick, and I think they need corners so much, I believe that, um, you know, they're the next pick, and I believe that they, when I put my article together, it was plus 100, that corner would be their pick, their exact position. Now I think it's like minus 225, and that's wow. just over the course of like two, two days. I think it's kind of leaking now that they're going corner kind of no matter what, and they have two good options there in in Sertan and Horn. So I think the only way they don't go corner is if those two guys go in the top nine and then they're, they got to scramble for a Rashawn Slater or maybe somebody in another position. Well, if, if both Horn and Sertan are gone in theory, that pushes, I mean, the problem for the Cowboys is that they can't, they can't draft Jalen Water or Devontae Smith, right? Right. There's no, I mean, I mean, you can't, you have to think this is a team that can win now. And so you, I mean, you think they got, you know, they got, uh, Dan Quinn in there. He's going to need a cornerback in that, in that system. You know, big physical press guy, you know, can, can sit out there as that, that, in that island they do with that, that cover three zone. Um, and, and sort of, you know, get, I, I don't know. It, it does, it does feel like Sir Tanner Horner just locks here. The only concern you would have, I guess, is if it plays out where the Broncos don't go cornerback and then, the Cowboys yank on JC Horn. So maybe take the under JC Horn too. I think he, I, th- mm-hmm. I mean, I, I got his under at 13 and a half and I, I feel pretty comfortable with that, but yeah, Sertan shouldn't get past the Cowboys at 10. Doesn't seem like there's any way. And JC Horn, uh, I believe is under 12 and a half is plus 100. I think his floor is the Eagles at 12 and they need a corner as well. So I think, you know, jump on that for sure as well. Cause, uh, he's not going to get out of the top 12. All right. Well, we got more over unders for you outside the top 10 coming up after the break. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, so you like the under on Sertan and Horn. What are some overs you like outside of the top ten? Yeah, I like going over on Michael Parsons. Like I said, the buzz is that there's some meta, there's some uh, character concerns that could push him down. Um, the, the teams might not be as sold him. I just don't think he's as complete a player at linebacker as like a Devin White or Devin Bush. I think there's a, a chance he's more in the Tremaine Edmonds mold that goes in the 16 to 20 range, maybe even a little lower. Um, and that wouldn't shock me. So I think if you take his over, that's probably a good play. 
And then that opens possibility of going first linebacker drafted, taking a sleeper there and getting some, some nice plus money there. So I think Parsons is the guy that, that if I was going to take one over, that's the guy, that's the one that I like the most. Yeah. Parsons, I believe that number is like 14 and a half at other places in the market. So 12 and a half, even at minus 140 is really good value for, uh, on William Hill. And you think about how that's sort of going to play out. Yeah. The Eagles and the Cowboys could both take Parsons. But given their needs and the players available, specifically at cornerback and then at wide receiver, it would be pretty surprising if if Parsons went at 10 or 12. I suppose Dave Gettleman could take him at 11. But, the, the, again, the way that the board stacks up with offensive linemen and wide receivers and cornerbacks, it, it seems far more likely that's what the Giants would do there, too. Right. And, and the Eagles fans will tell you they never take linebackers. I mean, teacher Debo will tell you they'll never take linebackers in the first round. They don't invest heavily in that position in terms of building their roster anyway. So it'd be a little bit of surprise if they go Parsons at 12, I think, uh, with his concerns that, that some people have anyway. So. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, what else is a, let's see, we have the JC Horn 12 and a half. The over is minus 130. That is really surprising there at William Hill. The, I think that's more of a product of it still being on the move. Like it had been 13 and a half. It had been probably higher than that. And it's the market still trying to catch up to what his actual stock is. Um, I think by the time we get to Thursday, it is going to be higher than that. It'll be, you know, on the other side of 12 because, uh, that's really what's interesting is will the Eagles take, will the Eagles get him at 12 or will right. he go before that? So I think you want to put that number at 11 and a half. Oh yeah. That's, that's a good point. And then, so if you have, if you had 13, if you had under 13 and a half JC Horn, would you, Window it over 11 and a half? I think you could. Um, but there are teams that could prefer Horn to Sertan. So I wouldn't make it a complete lock that, that he's going number two. I think he's more on B to, to Sertan's 1A than he is like definitely the number two guy. So I mean, if Carolina takes him at eight or Denver at nine, would that shock me? Not really. I mean, I still think Sertan goes 10 to Dallas in that situation, but. But, uh, um, you know, so you could try to do that, but I, I don't window these, these draft positions because, um, <laughs> it's hard to hit them exactly on the nose, especially with guys that are moving and the market's just having to move like corn. So it's just hard to hit them right on the nose. Yeah, I mentioned the Giants there at 11. You have one of your best bets on here there, uh, that they will go offense at 11, a two unit play for you. Yeah, and that's just a product of who's going to be on the board. I mean, maybe they go Pay as an edge rusher. Maybe they go with the cornerback, even though they did spend that big money bringing a Dory Jackson in. But it just seems like receiver and offensive line, you're going to have a good player at one of those positions here, whether it's Waddle or Smith or Rashawn Slater. And even if all three are gone, you could still go offense and push up a Christian Derrissaw or somebody like that. Um, so, so I think just offense seems like a lot more, uh, likely than defense. And in fact, if you look at their exact position of their first pick, it's all kind of a jumble. Nothing, nothing is higher than 250 the last time I saw it, plus 250. But the first two options are receiver and offensive line. So just seems going offense minus 110 is the way to go here. Okay. Uh, another one that has moved a little bit since you wrote your article, you probably moving it, honestly. You're the Chargers at 13 and have a two unit play on offensive lineman exact position of their first pick at William Hill. That's now down to 130 as the buzz continues to build that the Chargers will end up going with, you know, what possibly trading up for either Rashawn Slater or Panay Sewell if he somehow drops really far and, or, just simply taking Elijah Vera Tucker or Christian Darasol. They're, it's eerily reminiscent, RJ, of last year in the sense that Tom Telesco left us a glaring clue as to what his draft plan was via the depth chart. And some of us, me, 
ignored it because it was so obvious. It felt like a, a deke, but it was not. They, they were, they left it open. They were going to take, and then they took Justin Herbert. And when you look at their offensive line and you start to imagine how they want to, you know, they went out and signed Corey Lindsley in, in free agency and they still have Brian Belaga there. But Trey Pipkins, the third round pick from 2019 is their only, you know, I mean, their primary left tackle. And I would have to think that they love the idea of being able to get somebody like an Elijah Vera Tucker or a Matthew or Rashawn Slater, excuse me. I don't know why I keep saying Matthew Slater to who they can potentially start at left tackle or kick inside if they need to for his first year. I mean, that makes too much sense, right? Maybe you think uh, Rashawn Slater is going to feature on special teams. That's why you keep calling him for, for 15, for like 15 years for Bill Belichick. Or sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just, it makes too much sense. That's why I have it as a best bet uh, to go offensive lineman. And this is a great spot for a great window for those guys. Dara saw Vera Tucker. Their over-unders are around 15 and a half, 16 and a half. And I think, uh, Dara saw in particular has been on the rise just because people are connecting him with the Chargers at 12, at 13. And even the, the Vikings at 14 could take an offensive lineman too. Yeah. Dara saw was at 17 and a half early on in the process. He's 25 to one to be the first offensive lineman to take in. He is over under is still 15 and a half at William Hill, which I like, I like that under, I think. Don't you? Yeah, I do. Um, it's just th- things could happen. If you prefer Barry Tucker to Darison, you're, you're the Chargers or whoever team is picking there. And then the Vikings decide to go in a different direction. I have them taking Quiddy Pay with, with the pick just because their, uh, their edge rush needs some help. Uh, sure. To be playing, especially if they're going to have to trade to Neil Hunter. So, um, so I, and in, in once those two things happen, does in, New England take you know, an offensive lineman at 15? Maybe mm. not. Maybe they go quarterback or something else. Um, so I think point. once you're getting in that grouping, it just depends on who's picking where and what their preferences are. Okay, yeah, I, I will agree with you there. I think I would lean towards the under with Darisol at 15 and a half, but I, I'm, the smarter play is to take that bet on who, on what the Chargers will do with their first pick because you're it's minus minus one thirty, So you're paying 15 cents of juice, but you get the entirety of the offensive lineman for the chargers instead of worrying about it being Darisol and, and you, know, you get a couple extra spots for him. But I think, I think that's a play. I like that bet. I might put that in when I, when I get it up on my site, the Vikings, do you think they go quitty pay or so if, if you do that, it's two and a half to one that they could be uh, for them to take a defensive lineman. Yeah, I think it's close to a coin flip between offensive line and an edge rusher. But with offensive line at plus 100 and, and defensive line at plus 250, you're getting the value at plus 250. So I just think go ahead and do that. I think Michael Parsons is an interesting option there if they're fine with his issues. You know, even Zimmer seems like the kind of defensive coordinator that would get the most out of him. Um, so uh, this seems to be about where he should go if you consider he's juiced to 155 on over 12 and a half. You know, that you're projecting him to be around 14, I think. So, um that would be a major payoff if you go linebacker at plus 1600 or 1800 and he, that happens to be where he lands. But I think the more likely situation boils down to flip a coin between offensive line and, and defensive end. And since we're getting a great, much better value on defensive linemen here, go with that. Okay. I, I don't, I don't mind that at all. You have nothing on the Patriots. What do you, what does your gut tell you that the Pats are going to do in this draft? So, I mean, I a lot of people, a, a lot of people think they're going to trade off. That feels, yeah. I mean, they're more likely to back than trade up. I had here them taking Mac Jones just because I had him slipping, and it seems like th- this is probably the place where he would would land if he was available. But um, you know, and their exact position of first pick is quarterback plus one seventy. I don't think they're reaching for one of the non top five guys here. You know, they're not pushing Davis Mills up to fifteen. So um, 
if if they do trade down, maybe that's what people are thinking. They trade into the early second round and pick one of those guys. Um, and that's why that is the favorite for them. But it seems like there's some value on going a linebacker or cornerback for them um, because this is a good range for those guys. Like we said, Parsons, they could fall in love with Owusu Koromoa as a just a, a chess piece kind of guy as well or um, go with the corner. Um, but even if the top two are off the board, maybe this is a spot for for a Greg Newsom. And that could also be the case if you trade down. I, I think that taking a defense for the Patriots at plus 130 is a nice pull. I like that a lot. I mean, you're getting Bill Belichick drafting a defensive player. I mean, that wouldn't be a shock if Bill Belichick drafted a defensive player in the first round, just dating back and, and sort of looking with his first pick. You know, he took Inkeel Harry two years ago, Isaiah Wynn and Sonny Michelle the year before that. So those are some offensive guys that he's taken. He also took famously Lawrence Maroney in the first round. Nate Solder was a first round pick. I mean, you could argue that, you know, for the most part, it's worked out a lot better when he's played around with defense with those early round picks. Right. And they have been missing on defensive guys. You know, they've been waiting to like the second and third round to pick some of these defensive guys and just not panning out. And we can see that it's affected the defense as well. Defense that was really good as of two years ago, um, seems to have a lot of holes now. So it seems like that's a place where you could reload, especially if you're happy with the additions you made on the offensive side of the ball. And they made a lot so far. So you got Greg Newsom's under as a best bet listed on your. Arizona Cardinals piece because you have them taking Greg Newsom. See, 25 and a half. I've got, uh, for Newsom, I've got a 23 and a half. Would that scare you off on Greg Newsom? No, because uh, 24 is Pittsburgh. I don't think he's really in play there. And um, 25 is the second pick for Jacksonville, I believe. I'm not sure he's yeah, that's, that that's right, in play that's right. there. So. So um, I don't think that scares me off. I think he benefits from there being medical issues with Caleb Farley that might push Farley down people's boards. Um, Farley could be a guy that slips even out of the first round. He's super talented. He should be the third corner. He should be close to uh, to J.C. Horn and Sertan, you know, if you go by his talent. But if you just don't clear him medically, he's, he could slip. So um, if he's slipping and there's a team that needs a cornerback, like Arizona does um, after losing Patrick Peterson. Uh, CBS Sports is Patrick Peterson, I should say. Um, then, wearer, uh, then Proud wearer of number seven. Proud wearer of number seven. I heard, I saw that. Um, then Newsom could be the guy that benefits from that. You see right here he's the uh, the third option on this first cornerback or fourth option behind Farley. So if you think Farley's slipping, he could be the third cornerback and he could benefit. Uh, any team looking for a cornerback between 16 and 25 could catch that under. I also, and I've been saying this, all really all draft season on the, on the podcast, but you know, this is a draft where there are going to be a lot of, as you mentioned, you know, Caleb Farley back injury. Like this is a guy who's a top five, top 10 talent in this draft. If he's healthy, Newsom is coming. There are, there are going to be no, not a ton of red flags with Newsom. I don't think. And once you get outside that, that top 12, I, I just, it just looks like teams are going to be. I think they might be careful about what they do, a little more cautious than normal because they just don't know as much off-field stuff. This is the weirdest draft ever in that sense. You don't have the medicals up to date the way you want them to. And Newsom is coming from that Pat Fitzgerald program that to me feels safe. It, it just feels like a, like a purple version of Rutgers for Bill Belichick back in the day. So I, I think those guys get pushed up a little bit because they, they feel like they're prepared and they're safe. Does that, is, is that a fair notion? 
That's a fair notion. And uh, Arizona, I want to point out their exact position. The first pick prop is heavily, you know, the cornerback uh, is, is the heavy favorite there. But we don't think there's any way Horn or Sertan are going to be available. And if the medicals aren't clear on Farley, it's got to be someone. So that's another reason why I like Newsom there um, to hit that if you think that, uh, if you trust those numbers and you trust the odds to have their needs right and what they're going to do right. Mm, by the way, as we're, ta- as we're talking and recording this, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch hosting a – Press conference. And John Lynch said, he will all, I will quote, quote, I will always defer to him, end quote, when uh, asked about when it comes to quarterbacks, because Kyle Lynch, I mean, Kyle Lynch, Kyle Shanahan is the play caller. Kyle Shanahan added, we could have sat there at 12 and waited which one came to us if one did, but we made a decision that we felt we needed to get a starting quarterback. We wanted to dictate it. We'll get the one that we feel is the best for us. And then added, there were five quarterbacks he was, quote, okay with taking. After going through this, I feel good about five guys at three. We started with one candidate in mind, but all have gotten better since. It's a good thing you spent those three first-round picks to get to three if you like five guys. I know, right? Because especially when five, especially when one or two of those five guys were definitely falling to 12. But whatever. See, it seems to me that, like, um, you know, if you're Miami, Miami probably had a deal worked out that they, they kind of liked with somebody else. And they called San Francisco, look, like, you, if you want to trade up, you got to do it now. Otherwise, we're taking this other deal. And mm. San Fran kind of got snookered into it and took that, took the deal and not knowing what they wanted to do. And now that they moved up, it's like maybe we should have traded up with the Eagles instead at six and could have got a quarterback there. Cause they could have given the Eagles. I mean, a, a lot less than they gave Miami. You get to six and you're getting, I mean, the Bengals yeah, are moving saw, out. Yeah. You're getting, we saw that we saw the trade between Miami and Philadelphia, what they could have given up. And it was a lot less, you know, that, that, uh, they even do that same trade, uh, to get to six instead of, uh, Miami being the one to go back up to six. Everybody's thinking you're a lot smarter when you take your quarterback. Also, the move for San Francisco could have been to go to six with the Eagles and then say, tell Miami, Hey, look, you're welcome to shop it. We'll be there when you're on the clock and you do what Howie Roseman did for Carson Wentz. You see how much it's going to cost to get up. Maybe you get up to three for a little bit cheaper because the Dolphins are coming down to six. I don't know. We'll see. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of entries still left in that number three overall pick moving along through the sort of the, the mock betting draft. You like, uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa to be the first linebacker taken. You mocking him to the Raiders at 17. Yeah, you can get that plus 600, plus 700 coming down a little bit because, uh, you know, the, the buzz is building that Parsons could slip. Um, and I just think the Raiders have a history of trusting their evaluation regardless of what the consensus thinks. That's how you get to Farrell at number four when nobody expects it. Um, so if they're looking at linebacker here and they see a guy that could be a difference maker here, um, you know, a new D.C. is Gus Bradley. He maximized uh, Derwin James in his run with the Chargers and Derwin James and uh, Orusamoa has drawn a lot of Derwin James comparisons. Um, so this could be another thing of, hey, this is the chess piece that you need to, to, to be, you know, the, the leader of our defense essentially. Um, and so I would, I like the, I like his under, um, but I would play this first linebacker drafted and just hope that the, the streams cross with him, his, his buzz rising and Parsons buzz falling and that he gets ahead of him. I've got, I'm, I'm all in on the, uh, John, Jamin Davis. First linebacker draft. I'm not sure if you heard on the podcast, but I got 65 to one. They're still hanging out of my, they're still hanging out of my, on my, on the local. Like what, like what are we doing here? You got to get in at that value. That's crazy. I keep adding like $10 every day that they leave it up. At this point, I'm pretty heavily leveraged on it. Uh, oh, he's 10 to one now. Well, there you go. You love 65 to one. Move this more, move while we're doing the podcast. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I've got, uh, J, J, okay at five to one. 
Aziz Ojolari, four to one. Davis, 10. Collins, 10. Parsons at minus 30. I mean, he was minus 450 earlier. I, I just think he could drop. I, I don't, I don't mind that at all, though. Uh, taking some stabs at that because those are pretty good numbers. Looking at, oh, you have, yeah, we mentioned you have Michael Parsons. You haven't fallen to the Dolphins at 18. You like his over 12 and a half minus 155 for three units. Woo. Spicy. Yeah. Yeah. Ideally you've got, you got, you know, 11 and a half over flat, but if we're just talking right now, you want to get in on this Parsons thing. I think there's still a ton of value, even at minus 155. You could also wait until it drops to 13 and a half and get a better price on it if you want. So I don't think there's there, the charters are going to be in play for him and they're going to have to move it at some point, but, uh, but take him over either way. Okay. Would you go as high as 14 and a half or is that too high for Parsons? I say keep going. I, I said that he was an uh, option for the Vikings, but like I said, I think he's going to slip. Uh, and uh, I think there's more likely than not he gets to the back half of the first round than uh, than him going, you know, in that top 15. Okay. Bears, you have them going Tevin Jenkins, uh, uh, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma State, and you love his under 23 and a half. There's just too many teams that need offensive line in that 13 to 22 range for Tevin Jenkins not to go. I think he's he's a clear, you know, plug-and-play type tackle. Uh, and for a team that need, like Indianapolis at 21 that needs him, or we could upgrade, like I have him at Chicago here. Um, so I, I'm not a big fan of how the board fell in my mock draft for the Bears. I think they might have preferred some other positions, but you know, offensive line is their favorite for their exact position prop. And, uh, Tevin Jenkins is a good one on the board here. Um, even if you can't get Darisaw, who I have going one pick earlier or Vera Tucker, who I had going earlier in the first round. I've got over under six and a half offensive linemen going in the first round. I feel like four with Sewell, Elijah Vera Tucker, Darisaw, and Slater are locks. So you got to get three more. Jenkins feels like kind of a lock in the first round too, right? Yeah, like I'm saying, there's too many teams in this range that, that need one. And the prop is telling you he's supposed to go around those range, 23 and a half. Yeah. Um, so it's not, not crazy if you get somebody that 23 and a half going 19 or 20. And all these teams, you know, especially Indy need, needs an offensive tackle. Yeah. Okay. Wouldn't be shocking if, the, if Washington took an offensive lineman. I mean, yeah, that's, you, know, you had him doing that as well. So you like the over six and a half then? I do, but I, you know, I think if you're going to, you're going to clear it, you're probably going to clear it by one. Um, or by half. Landon yeah. Dickerson, I think, I think Landon Dickerson would have been a, 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 an option, but I think some teams might have medical issues on him that could push him later. Sam Cosme, I'm not sure if he's a first grounder. So you're really looking at, are you going to get like an Alex Leatherwood to slip in there? Um, and then maybe Liam Eikenberg, and then that'll be your seven. Uh, so if you do clear it, it's going to be by a little bit. It kind of depends on what price you're getting. All right. Yeah. I've, I've got an even money situation there. Whereas you see here with, uh, with William Hill, uh, minus 130. I would not expect that that number moves up to seven and a half. I think it'll stay at six and a half, but it may get juiced up. I can't, I really don't think it'll get too expensive. Like you say, it's this back half of this first round is going to be, I think, I think you can see some, some names pop into the first round that you just, did not I like I didn't see that coming. It's possible, yeah. And, and it kinda happens every year. I mean you have sure. um guys like uh, Terrell Edmonds, nobody around. I've expected the Steelers to take him late in the first round and it happened. You kinda just see that every year that that what what are these was I don't know that I like this pick. What's this team doing? You see a, a team jumps, a team that needs a, a particular position, and then they just reach like the Texans did at tackle um, when they got, you know, uh, sniped on Andre Dillard. So, I mean, it just, it just happens where these random guys go in the first round. For sure. And you like the Tennessee – oh, excuse me, the Indianapolis Colts' first pick to be an offensive lineman as well. 
yeah, they just like, like I said, they have that, that glaring need on a left tackle after the return, retirement of Costanzo. So even if the board doesn't shape well to them and Jenkins goes off a pick or two before, I still think they go offensive linemen, um, whether it's here with Alex Leatherwood or trade back 10 spots, 15 spots, pick up some draft capital. They've shown the ability to do that in the past. And then you can get an offensive lineman in that early round two range. If it's one of those guys or Cosme, um, you know, is going to be available there. Uh, you're still going to be able to address that situation. The Steelers, you have a offensive lineman going to them as well, plus 250 now at William Hill for their first pick. Running back has been the popular choice du jour of, of, of everybody mocking to the Steelers, and Kevin Colbert didn't shoot it down. It does seem, you know, look at the offense, offense minus 350 is pretty crazy. You like the uh, dabbling on the Steelers plus 250 to take an offensive lineman in the first round. Yeah, I just think that that's what they need. Um, they you know, haven't s- stressed the uh, the running back position in a long time. They've been drafting. Two thousand eight uh, was their last. They've had one running back in the last thirty years. It was two thousand eight in the first round. They've been taking mid rounders at running back over and over again. I think you see what Snell and McFarlane can do. Um, and I don't think you feel pressured there. I mean, if you look at Pittsburgh, it's not like they were running back away from being a great team. They have a lot of other issues. And uh, offensive line, I think, is where it starts. So. You do that, you pick up the best guy you can there, and I think we're getting good value on that selection and skipping that running back. You got another guy who fits that mold, too, for you in terms of plus 200 or better, Zayvon Collins to the Browns, exact position of – or exact position of first pick, linebacker plus 250. The only concern is what's – is the – I guess there's no edge qualification, right? So with the Browns, you, you're hoping that it's an outside linebacker, right? Yeah, you don't. You, if if it's an edge, they're going to put a, list him as a defensive lineman, so you wouldn't get that. Um, but I think you know this is a good range for Collins and Davis, like you said, um, or maybe Micah Parsons is falling, and they're the team that takes him off the board here. Um, it, and this, their most popular, it's a, the favorite at plus two fifty, and I think that's probably the, the way they go here. So I would make that play just based on who I think is going to be on the board um, between Collins and Davis. Davis has gotten a ton of heat, and you mocked him to the Saints. In at 20, or excuse me, yeah, Saints at 28 and have a best bet on the, not only the under of, uh, Davis at 31 and a half. Mine's down to 26 and a half on that now. Curious if you think that's still a good number, but also the Saints to take a linebacker at seven to one. That's a little spicy. Yeah, there are a few good linebacker options ahead of that 26 and a half. I don't know that I take it. I, I think because 31 and a half is available at some other sites, um, I would look to play that. I wouldn't just take what I get with a guy like Davis. I do think his buzz has been building, but yeah, take linebacker exact position to first pick for New Orleans. I don't think anybody knows what New Orleans is going to do. The first three options there are plus 300, plus 300, plus 325 last time I saw. So it seemed like, um, you know, anything was really a, an option for, for the Saints. And then coming in fourth was linebacker plus 700. So figure throw that in the mix. Why not that as well? Especially with these, these prospects we think are going to be available in this range. By the way, Kyle Shanahan added when asked if he could guarantee if Jimmy Garoppolo would be on the roster on Sunday. I can't guarantee anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. So that's exciting. Thanks, Kyle. Thought you no, didn't like that, did you? Green Bay Packers, linebacker. Exactly. I'm scared now. I know, right? Um, you're mocking them Rashad Bateman. They never draft wide receivers in the first round, but you do like linebacker exact a position of first pick six to one. Yeah, it's just how the board shaped up. I think they could take a receiver. I think everybody expects them to take a receiver, but we've expected that to happen in the past and it hasn't happened. Um, but just who's going to be available here, Bateman? I think I switched it to Elijah Moore. Just he's right around that range too. And it seems like people, 
there might be a little bit more consensus that Moore is the fourth best receiver instead of Bateman. So um, I'm probably going to go more in the draft in the mock draft, but when all is said and done, but I think the value is going linebacker here because we were talking about that edge thing. Um, they could take an inside linebacker, the Davis, the Collins, or they could take an edge here. They, they certainly could use some extra edge help and uh, that would be classified as a linebacker for them. You know, they would go outside linebacker there. So um, I think there's a multiple ways to win that. So plus 600 seems like a pretty good value for, for that situation to happen. Okay. What I don't see any other best bets listed on there. What else, what else are we missing from either the first round or uh, or other items that you like out there right now that you're that you're sort of looking at? I believe you have Travis Etienne first running back off the board plus one. Yeah, I actually I actually added him. We I did an update to that mock draft today, and I added him to the Buffalo section. I had Buffalo taking Najee Harris, but it seems like there's more and more buzz building that Etienne could be the first running back off the board. And uh, the it's it's dropped a little bit. I, I did give it out at plus 180 in my long in my best bets column. Now it's at plus 170. I think it's going to keep moving as the buzz builds. That there's not really a difference um, between you know 50 50 kind of which one of these two guys is going to go go ahead. And I, I like Etienne's run potential. I think that really plays in Buffalo where Josh Allen is a threat to run as well. So you can get him out in open field a little more ETN, you know, and open up some lanes because people are so worried about Josh Allen running the ball. So um, in that Buffalo offense, I think he could do a lot of damage. I think he could be an option for Pittsburgh too. I don't think Pittsburgh has to go Najee Harris over ETN. Um, so yeah, I think there are some teams that are going to have ETN ahead of Harris and there's enough that you're going to get value up 170. I am riding with you on the long shot bet of Christian Barmore, first defensive lineman off the board. I don't feel great about it, but this thing is, such, again, such a crapshoot once you get past 12, really, 12 or 13, that it's not crazy that a team feels that the best option for them is Barmore, that they have a need there. And, and we just see some of these guys uh d- drop down the board. Like Jalen Phillips is the favorite here. And I don't understand it. I, I've pointed this out. He took a year off of football. He retired from college football before transferring to Miami. I understand he's crazy talented, but that would be a concern. And then Quiddy Pay is sort of the consensus guy up top there. But I, Barmore has flashed big time, in, especially in the playoffs. It's not crazy at 8-1. to one. And this is a new development because earlier in the day, Quiddy Pay was the favorite by like minus 180. So yeah, yeah some, it was. Some breaking news on, on Jalen Phillips, some teams liking him in the teens or something because, uh, he, from what my understanding, he was going to drop. You know, there were some concerns about him as well. And I think he's one of those guys that, that, um, you know, could, could drop a little bit due to medical concerns or, or other issues with him. So, um, I think Quiddy Pay is going to be the first defensive lineman off the board, but the value is just too, they're too good with Barmore there because these defensive tackles go a little bit earlier than we think a lot of years. And these guys just get pushed up. The team's looking for big presences in the middle. Vita Vea went higher than we thought he would. Dexter Lawrence went higher than we thought he, he would. I don't know that Barmore is comparable to those players, but you could see a team saying, look, like the Raiders saying, look, we need a defensive tackle. We like what he brings. And if no, no other guys are off the board in the top 16, which they might not be at edge rusher, that could be the first guy off. So you're really just playing a, a version of the draft playing out where edge rushers don't go very highly. Teams skip on them to, to address other things. And then by the time somebody's ready to take a defensive lineman, it just happens that Barmore is the best fit for him. Well, Oakland is a good call too, or Oakland, my bad, Las Vegas is a good call too, because when you look at what they have, they're not exactly loaded on, on the defensive line, right? They need, they need more help there. And they have showed a big time, uh, willingness to draft players from just Clemson and Alabama in the first round. Like they love drafting Clemson and Alabama guys. All right. You also have first safety drafted Javon Holland at three and a half to one. I don't mind that at all. Safety. Yeah, I think 
Yeah, safety is completely wide open. I'm not sure that one gets drafted in the first round. So we saw that with Xavier McKinney. People thought he would go, I think, only one uh, the year that he was supposed to go uh, last year. And he almost went behind Duggar. Kyle Duggar went one pick behind him in the second round. So that would have cashed. I think we had it like 25 to one that we were that out. Um, that would have been a huge cash. Something similar could happen here. We don't get as big a, a, a leap here with guys like Holland or even Richie Grant, but either one of those could go first and it wouldn't shock me at all. I think um, don't touch more at that price, you know, by any means, because anything can really happen at this position. I think there's value to be had just taking those underdogs. I agree with you. Don't take the favorites at 300 or more in, in an NFL draft coming out of a pandemic, um, especially, you know, you're talking about a safety here. I like that three and a half to one as well. All right. That'll do it. That's all your best bets. Make sure to check it out on sportsline.com. Follow RJ on Twitter at RJ White one. And I hope that your Bills draft a running back in the first round. I would hate it, but, uh, but at least it'd be a really good player. Yeah. ATM would be fun on the Bills. So, you know, whatever. We'll see how it happens. Thanks as always, buddy.